We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello and welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I am always here as a host on the show. And the other man that's always here as a host on the show is Sean Siegel. Sean, we have been doing our listener special edition live draft over the last couple of days. We have done four drafts in total. Some of them still ongoing as slow drafts, but this one was a live draft. We had to make those decisions on the clock. And I've got a lot of positive feedback over the last couple of weeks from listeners in terms of the series that we've done and also the draft that you and Ben done with Davis Maddock in terms of how we make those decisions while on the clock. And I think this one will be a great uh, one for listeners where Maybe they are battling that inner dilemma of going wide receiver over, uh, or sorry, going running back over wide receiver and vice versa, and how we built this team out. Because I think sometimes this is where maybe people who, who read the, the road of his content or listen to our shows maybe think that we're not really going to go for those running backs. But in this situation, obviously, we've come away with a, a haul of top tier running backs. So it's going to be fun to recap it, and we're going to review what the listeners in the league also did this is an ffpc 125 dollar best ball tournament lineup so uh, one of the keys obviously is a week 14 by but the biggest key for this is the winner of the entire tournament gets hundred thousand dollars so that's where we're hoping that one of these teams go uh, whether it's us or whether it's one of the team we're going to have a winner of the league and that winner of the league is going to go through the playoffs so sean whether it's us or somebody else and this is going to be fun in week 14 week 15 week 16 to to cheer on whoever that is as they aim to bring home the entire tournament here for the the rvot nation exactly we are hoping to win ourselves and hold our own against this group <laughs> of listeners but the main thing is that we want the one hundred thousand dollars to come out of this draft now if it does there could be some uh, interesting controversy given just how different this draft played out than what usually happens. So Colin, we will go through and give sort of a recap and a grade, perhaps not a letter grade, but, but go through what they did and what we might have done differently. Now, one thing I always like to note here, and I think it definitely applies to a room that's as sharp as this one, is that you give evaluations of other teams. It's important to evaluate yourself 
and others trying to figure out what you would do differently, how you can get better at playing fantasy football. At the same time, we want to approach all of this with humility because we all know of those situations where if you're playing a zero running back build or a modified zero RB build, or even do something that's completely different than that, you'll have someone come in, look at your draft and say, oh, you know, you guys just threw $100 away. You weren't even trying. And the very fact that people will claim that you're not even trying shows that perhaps there are some informational gaps that happen. People maybe don't know things that you know, and you don't know things seems, that they seem, know. Seems, seems, Sean, like you, you might have been on Twitter recently to, to see comments like that. That's kind of what uh, the day-to-day life on Twitter is. Well, I, you, you don't need to even go to Twitter to find out that information. All you have to do is scroll through the uh, the language in the different draft chats where people will accuse different participants of perhaps not knowing what they're doing. And occasionally, that kind of thing will come into play. I always like to tell the story. Uh, some listeners may have heard this. Some maybe have not. This probably took place, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. I'm in a draft room and uh, at like the seven, eight round range in not best ball where it would make a little bit more sense, but in a managed league, uh, one of the participants has like, you know, his third QB, not necessarily addressing the other positions, goes on auto pick for a bit, comes back, selects more QBs. And then you get some notes in the chat about how he just killed this snake outside of his trailer. And it was very exciting. And so, you know, people are, are also, facing different environments and different stresses within their draft. I mean, not all of us are having to kill snakes during a draft. And that's really going to change you know, what you're doing. Tom, you and I had a situation here where we really thought that we had a pick in and it was going to be a slightly different player timed out on the selection. And so, you know, it can be a little more of a challenge when you have to agree on players. I was just, that was the pick where I was killing the snake. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Colin says he's going to take T.Y. Hilton here, but instead he is outside killing a snake, and I did not know that I needed to get the the pick in. No. So we start with the first selection. This is from Griffin. He goes with Christian McCaffrey at the round 2-3 turn. We're already wiped out through Terry McLaurin. You and I took Eckler. Gibson is gone. There are some other interesting running backs, but he takes Keenan Allen, T. Higgins at the turn. One of his comments in the chat is that maybe that's a reach on Higgins, but Ruiz says he could be a first rounder next season. Also a little bit of, I don't know, reluctance, but some regret on the Adam Thielen pick at the 412. To give a sense, the next four receivers off the board, Odell Beckham, Chase Claypool, Juju, LaVisca. I'm not on the Adam Thielen bandwagon. I'm with Griffin in that I would have gone a different direction there, even though Odell Beckham has not been as good as Adam Thielen recently. I think that he probably has more upside. We like Chase Claypool's breakout potential. We like Juju's bounce back potential. LaVisca Chenault, someone we almost certainly are overdrafting, but has that fun breakout ability to be the alpha there in Jacksonville. I would have gone a different direction, but I also think that that pick makes sense. It's not like the receivers immediately drafted after him offer a completely different type of scoring profile. And then Darrell Henderson in the fifth comes back then with a lot more wide receivers, Will Fuller, Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown, Darnell Mooney. Mooney someone I know that you like. He's in a great situation there with Chicago where the target competition is minimal. You also have a couple 
of vertical receivers in this Fuller, Brown, Mooney group. He has the upside of Lamar Jackson. How do you like Christian McCaffrey and Darrell Henderson within the context of the rest of these receivers? I don't I, – I, over, overall, I think it's a, a positive start. I, I think – and I know you've mentioned this, like you're hoping that that guy in the 101 spot messes up that Christian McCaffrey pick. I definitely don't think that's the situation here. I think he's got guys that we like, um, like, a, like a Higgins. Um, I, you mentioned I like Mooney, and every, every, we're going to say this for every wide receiver in this draft, but he's probably going a couple of rounds there ahead of where we would normally t- be taking him. The area that I think it got – a little bit tricky here and i know there is upside with these guys but i think that the likes of uh his tight end group has ended up being everett troutman and jarwin the only issue for him is i don't see where he could have probably pivoted to tight end earlier than he has unless he goes in that eighth round range or seventh round range and goes for a tanyan or gasecki there because in the third round he's taking higgins and then hawkinson and pitts are gone at that point and then by the time it comes back to him uh, Mark Andrews and Fant are gone so a little bit tricky for him but he could have potentially gone with like Logan Thomas over Henderson there um, and it might have given him opportunities then um, and that kind of 10 11 12 range we like we've talked uh, on the previous episodes about like some of the guys we've got like we pushed back to get Fournette and Penny in the 15th and 16th round I think he could have potentially moved past Henderson there but I do think it was a really strong value for him and obviously the other player that he moved past at that point was Etienne and also uh, Dobbin. So it was a hard pass uh, to go if he was going to go past a running back at that particular point based on the value. I think overall the team is is pretty strong, but where my, my concern leaks into it is is probably mainly with uh, how the tight end positions have come together. But there is the three guys there that, that should help them get through, get through the season. How, how do you feel about that? Obviously, we've gone for a situation where we've just taken Waller and, and Johnny Smith how do you feel about the the tight ends there on that roster and could that potentially hold it back the other thing i wasn't really sure about was he has lamar jackson cam newton was the pick in the 16th round i'm not all that sure as to how long cam newton plays this season for the patriots yeah i i think that mac jones is going to be the starter for most of the season now I could be completely and totally wrong on that. I think sometimes we get excited about these rookies and think that they'll be ready before they are. One of the things that you have, one of the reasons why I almost expect Justin Fields will be the first of those rookies to actually start and get going is that the Patriots and the 49ers have legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. The Bears need to win, right? But I do think they're in a situation where Fields in some ways almost buys them another year i also don't think the bears have that kind of talent level to be a super bowl contender a playoff team you know that's clearly in their range of outcomes but the patriots and the 49ers are not going to give away games in the first month of the season if their rookies are not ready to win now i think that that mac jones probably offers an earlier starting option and a bigger upgrade on cam newton than trey lance offers on jimmy garoppolo if garoppolo is healthy and we've seen garoppolo lead them to the super bowl in the past and their win-loss record when he is playing is extremely high and so we look at those picks there to have jackson only protected by newton and not have a second upside qb makes it difficult so this is where we can kind of see how again a room that maybe puts pressure on in a different way than most do can cause a problem, right? Because you look at the tight end selections a little bit like the wide receiver selections and you're thinking, okay, well, I mean, these are reaches and 
you know, you're not getting value at the same time. If you don't reach, then you're going to be in deep trouble. So we saw Fant come off early in round four. He's not available at that four or five turn, uh, even if you wanted to select him in that range. So we look at that Thielen pick and there are some questions with Kirk Cousins. You know, how many different weeks of the season is he going to miss because he's not vaccinated? You look at Justin Jefferson taking more of the touchdowns. You look at Irv Smith taking a bigger role in this offense that you would really expect to be the Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson show. If you do what we did in one of our listener leagues, when we had the number one pick and we reached for Logan Thomas very early, I think that's an option, but it's also an option where, you know, you've got to really hit on that because that's awfully early for those tight ends. So Thomas goes in the late fifth, Goddard does as well, Irv Smith in the mid sixth. So by the time you get back to the six, seven, I mean, these guys are gone. And so the issue that we run into here with the tight ends is that it's just in the FFPC format, it's so difficult to get where you need to be. That's why we went with Darren Waller in round one, even though because of that, we weren't where we needed to be at wide receiver. And I like the way that this draft created a bunch of questions. You were not able to address all four positions in an easy fashion as you might in most drafts. So Colin, let's go on to the second pick. Jesse, I believe, has been in several of these leagues with us. He starts Travis Kelsey, Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift, Judy, Travis Etienne. So a little bit like us, he's in this start where he's saying these three running backs could score well enough to win you the $100,000 and you feel good about playing one of them in the flex most weeks. Antonio Brown, we mentioned the rookie wide receivers he selected in the earlier show. He's got a quarterback situation here with Prescott, Tua, and Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones I like as a sleeper in round 15 with that rushing value that he brings to the table. Sterling Shepard, Zacchaeus for the Falcons. He gets some running backs late in Madison and Xavier Jones. Uh, Madison, someone we had considered taking as an extra running back late there. That many rookies, I think that we're going to see the rookies break out. Bateman has a fantastic score in our models. Moore has a fantastic score in our models. Marshall, a little bit more controversial. Some of the models really like him. Some of them think that he should have been able to do more or earlier. Yet it's still tricky for me because with Bateman and Marshall, especially the path to the receiving volume that you would need to have enough wide receiver firepower, I think is trickier. Do we feel comfortable that Bateman and Marshall are good enough to overcome number one, just this, sort of ramping into the rookie season where maybe the first half of their rookie seasons, they don't score as many points. And then number two, Bateman from an overall offensive volume perspective and Marshall being behind DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, that he can do enough. This was a pick that Jesse had mentioned that maybe he should have gone in a different direction after seeing the QB run that followed. So after his Marshall pick, Brady, Lance, Tannehill, Burrow, Lawrence, Cousins, Ryan, Fields, Mayfield, those guys went in the next, there were only four non-QB picks in that entire run there. He came back and had Tua in round 12. Maybe you wished he'd had one of the, the bigger name quarterbacks. Yeah, I think if you, you know, if you go back and look at that, I think if he gets Tom Brady there or Ryan Tannehill, I think then he doesn't take Tua or Daniel Jones. I think then that gives him another position of flexibility. But like when we took 
Brady. And I know at that time we were trying to debate was he the guy to go with at that point? But I think it gave us that flexibility then in those last rounds. You mentioned the wide receivers. I think he's in a pretty strong position. There's question marks around all the wide receivers, but there's also upside. So like Judy has question marks about how you know much that works out for him. We we have talked about him a lot and how we like what he's going to be able to bring to the Broncos. Antonio Brown had a really strong finish to the year. I still think there's question marks around how much his role can be when all three wide receivers are healthy. But you mentioned then the rookies. I think that based on how the draft played out at the start for him, if you look at through those first seven rounds, we all, us and him, had one tight end, three running backs, two wide receivers, one quarterback. And even through the next round, then we just added, we both went wide receiver, wide receiver. I think at that point, to try and get the upside to counteract what he's done at running back, it probably, they are probably pretty close to the picks that I would have made at that particular point. We did take rugs off the board before Bateman. Then he took more off the board before Sherman for us. Then we talked about Gabriel Davis. Marshall's probably the pick there that I would have would have changed, and that might have let him go with one of those veterans maybe then instead of the Tua pick or the Daniel Jones pick. And I think that might have uh, set the roster up a little bit better. But overall, I think it's a, a strong roster. Um, but I know obviously we're biased, but I think, based on the rosters being very similar and build and those kind of first 10 rounds i think the way things have played out on the picks that we have i think i would probably in most situations there take our pick over their pick outside of i think the the julio jones judy pick is probably where i would i would pivot that yeah and so what we say that and at the same time we definitely are, are thinking okay well you're drafting off of your own board. You should like your own picks better than you like the next person's pick. And the one point in the draft where we were absolutely heartbroken was when Rondell Moore went one spot ahead of us yeah. at the 902 <laughs> instead of making it to us at the 903. Hey, everybody. This is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz flagship podcast. Just stopping by to say thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. We're offering our listeners a special 10% discount when they use the promo code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In the four hole, we have Joe drafting. He made the very sound decision to take Dalvin Cook after McCaffrey and the two tight ends were off the board. Followed that up with Terry McLaurin, whom you're a big fan of. Then got TJ Hawkinson, so he did not fall into the tight end trap that some of their teams had to deal with. Came back with Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Robbie Anderson, Kenny Galladay. He gets the four veteran values there consecutively, and I'm probably below ADP on all of those guys. Maybe not so much on Anderson, although I do think that Anderson is going to lose some targets to DJ Moore that he had last season. I'm not sure that Sam Darnold is going to be an upgrade for him. At the same time that I'm not as high on those receivers as as it relates to ADP, I love the values that he got here. One of the things that he was able to exploit is that obviously we have a, a room that likes young players. And so you put those guys together, you put them with this Hawkinson, Dalvin Cook start, and this team is not having to deal with nearly as much in terms of positional pressure. Comes back Chase Edmonds, Corey Davis, Marvin Jones, you know, gets two more veteran values at wide receiver in Davis and Jones. Maybe the only mild red flags and this could turn out you know very very positively but the quarterbacks here are trey lance zach wilson sam darnold has the three quarterbacks the rce will tell you that in the slim last year that worked out very well but we perhaps are a little bit concerned about the upside for wilson and darnold and about the floor for lance and how early he gets in there yeah and my other thing i would say on this roster is we've touched on chase Edmonds. i'm not i'm not in on chase Edmonds at all this year um so that will be a pick i would change but what i would change there is the players that have gone after that at the wide receiver position were and people have different feelings about these guys and there is question marks but we have rugs bateman marquise brown darnell mooney and rondell moore i think if you take Edmonds out and put one of those guys in and then where he's taken Corey davis and marvin jones um so we took Trey Sermon, so he wasn't there. But you have Michael Carter, AJ Dillon, Ronald Jones, Tony Pollard, Zach Moss, Raheem Mostert. You know, we have the guys there that we're really targeting for that zero RB build. Now, he may only have got one of those for the Corey Davis pick, but when that's coming back, then there is the option he could have picked up in the 10th round. Then, say, Gabriel Davis, for example, over Marvin Jones is probably a pick I think I would have would go with there quite confidently. Um, and I think then, like, you know, James Conner went in the 11th round. I think if I'm on the board, at the um you know at that point would be the 1008 1009 kind of range i would be taking james connor there so i i would have gone wide receiver in the eighth and i would have gone running back running back in the ninth tenth more than likely and then i would have tried to approach it potentially even in that tenth round um you know to to get that quarterback and maybe a tom brady you know get those established quarterbacks i think it gives you the option then not to have to pushed for that third quarterback would you would you agree with that or would you would you disagree with that yeah it's going to come down so much to what the upside for lance ends up being and we love lance definitely as a, i mean you look at lance as a super flex dynasty pick and you know maybe he's a top five startup pick just overall now he's not going to go quite that high but we love lance <sighs> the rhetoric comes i think out i of- think even it's not the lance pick but it's the pick of if you take brady in the 10th and 
Lance probably doesn't get to you, but if it's say Brady and Tannehill, Brady and Burrow, you know, I think that gives you more upside to have the two quarterbacks than the the three quarterbacks selected here. Yeah, and so one of the things that I have a little trouble with is I'm below what actually happens for Marvin Jones every year. So if I say I don't necessarily care for Marvin Jones, I you have to admit the players that you don't have as much of a. I'll give you I'll give you a pass on Marvin Jones though because you know there is those four touchdown games that aren't going to win you like the other fifteen weeks of the season. <laughs> right, but but it, it may win you the key week in in this basketball yeah. contest. The interesting True. thing here is that this team starts with Cook, has Hawkinson in round three, and so you're thinking, okay, we need a lot of wires here for our power to balance that out. It did such a nice job through eight through nine rounds that maybe you can be a little bit less aggressive in terms of adding the wider super depth after that point because you look at cole beasley in round 13 running backs on the board at that point include guys like a jamal williams david johnson darrington evans different types of profiles right i'm not saying that any of those guys is a home run pick or an automatic selection in and of himself but depending on what you're trying to do with your roster you've got three very different styles that you could put in there when deshaun jackson goes off the board in round 17 and jackson is one of these guys where you know, I mean, if if he's actually okay, then with Matthew Stafford throwing the ball to him, I don't know what to make of Deshaun Jackson at all, right? I mean, he's not been relevant for a long time, but he's never healthy. So it's one of these things where maybe if he is healthy, then he can actually still play. We don't know. It's a similar situation to A.J. Green last year where it's like, I mean, he hasn't played successfully in a long time. I mean, do the, are the Bengals sure that they want to pay him that much money and give him all those targets and air yards early in the season? Well, not only did they think that was a good idea, but now this year the Arizona Cardinals think it's a good idea. So Deshaun Jackson, maybe he actually siphons off a ton of the volume that Cup and Robert Woods need to be values at their point. Some of the guys still available really late at running back would include Damian Williams, another guy that Zach uh, Kruger has been on, and Williams getting rave reviews in camp at the same time that Cohen now looks like someone who may not play for the vast majority of the season. So you have some other options there if you want to balance your roster out. Now, if you think that this is a Dalvin Cook or bust kind of situation, a little bit like we think with Darren Waller, then you can see how an unbalanced roster could potentially work out for you. Makes that Devin Singletary pick in round 12. I think that Singletary still has the chance to be an absolute league winner there in Buffalo. We need to pick five. Rob starts with Devontae Adams. I think that Adams is a pick you have to start looking at really at the 102. And so I like Adams here at five. Man, those value those values a month ago are looking good now. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So you come back with Aaron Jones, the second packer in a row in round two, then Harris in round three. I think even if you're a Harris skeptic, for me, you have to be able to admit the players where you think that – and this you could, people can say, well, you're just having it both ways or you don't have an opinion if you say the range of outcomes is gigantic. But you know, in part, your opinion just is that you, you see a massively high ceiling scenario and a scenario where he's Trent Richardson and maybe not even as good as Trent Richardson because the blocking is not going to be great, all of that kind of thing. But Harris, at that slot with the upside that he has – I think that you have to be excited about Robert Woods, Miles Sanders. It's been disconcerting to hear reports out of camp that Austin Scott, who not selected in this draft is not normally going, probably should be going in drafts. This you know, almost uh, like a one B 
kind of role with Sanders. I don't think that'll hold up. We think Miles Sanders is too big of a talent for that to be the case. But maybe in a draft that is this wide receiver heavy, Sanders becomes a little bit less interesting. But then Kyler Murray, that's who we were hoping would get to us. Josh Jacobs again in round seven. I think Jacobs is mildly undervalued. I don't have a lot of hope Kenyon Drake is going to make a difference for him. Now, maybe Drake catches some passes, but Josh Jacobs wasn't doing that anyway, right? And so I, I don't think that Drake is going to have much of an impact. Michael Thomas in round eight, we heavily debated taking him if he had fallen two more spots to us. So, Colin, what's your take on the team here in the five slot? I think this has got to be your favorite since they begin Green Bay Packers, Green Bay Packers. <laughs> and the one thing, I don't know if listeners pick up on this sometimes, but um, I tend to, I think, put Packers players below ADP. Just I never want to have those kind of hometown picks that I'm, I'm just pushing those picks. But um, I think it's, you know, another unique start to get those two guys on the, the one roster there. I, I'm going to say it's not my favorite roster. I, I haven't been drafting Harris much at all based on where he is going at the moment. Um, we did talk about Woods. And the other thing I want to shout out is this fourth round, um, all wide receivers barring two tight ends, um, no other positions taken in the round. So um, I think that's a very unique round there in the fourth. Um, but in terms of this team, there, there's things that I like and then there's things that I don't. So I, I, I think I would have passed most likely on the Josh Jacobs pick. I think in the Miles Sanders pick, I, I might have went for Chase Claypool at that particular point um and the the harris pick i think I, I would be very very tempted there to go with dj Moore. so there's a couple of picks that i would have changed early on in this draft and i think that the roster would have probably ended up stronger i do like his two quarterbacks that he has and kyler murray and matthew stafford again we're into that position where the tight end in this format there's a lot of questions around so i know we mentioned rob gronkowski but we have higby and evan ingram and rob gronkowski which uh, you know there's there's questions around around all of those guys um I, I think Cobb will have value for the Packers as a as a football team this year but I'm, I'm interested to see if Rob is also a Packers fan because he has Adams Jones and Randall Cobb on this roster um so I, I I think just that I don't think Cobb will probably return that 12th round value I think he'll be you know a good part of a a very strong offense but i don't think we're going to see him push ahead to that particular value but he did go with all the, the veteran guys he has cobb green helton crowder uh, and perryman sprinkled in there so overall i think the the roster is a overall a good construction but just the way it was done i think if we could go back and take moore over harris take claypool or chenault or, or smith schuster over um Miles sanders and then and that kind of range where it was helton and crowder and perryman i think we could I know we took Fournette and Penny, but you know you could have got uh, Madison there. You could have got Fournette. Could have got Penny. Could have got JD McKissick, Gio Bernard. Um, you know you mentioned Damian Williams, Philip Lindsay's there, Chuba Hubbard's there, or Chuba Hubbard. Um, there's lots of options there for the running back position. So I think that team will be stronger in those opening six rounds if we we pivot um, there to the other position. Sean, the the sixth position is Mark, and he's gone with Kamara, Hopkins, Pitts, Tyler Lockett, Chase Claypool, David Montgomery, Russell Wilson, Michael Pittman, Devontae Parker, Melvin Gordon, Ryan Tannehill, uh, Damian Harris, Nelson Aguilar, Jared Cook, J.D. McKissick, Giovanni Bernard, Nico Collins, and, and Pat Fairmuth. So we have, again, um, I, I think all these rosters, and this is going to be a theme, they're all pretty strong. I think there's probably going to be tweaks that we could to make throughout them um any changes you would have made there um i, pr- I probably would pivot away from the 
think Montgomery pick in the sixth round um, would be the one I probably would have went there for wide receiver. But again, it, it was a pick below ADP and there was a bit of value there, but I think I would still have went with the wide receiver. And then there's question marks around Melvin Garden as well. Yeah, one of the things that surprises me a little bit almost as we look back through this is this draft was a little bit more balanced through three rounds than I might have guessed, right? So we come out of the first three rounds and 15 running backs have been selected, only 16 wide receivers. Considering what we know about structure early on, there were more teams that took a couple of running backs than I might have guessed. And so you mentioned that round four, how heavy it was at wide receiver. One of the interesting things there and something that we try and mention all the time is that you can talk about wide receiver being deep all you want, but in the areas where it's potentially deep, you only get one pick out of 12. And so you go through round four and suddenly the value is gone in a heartbeat. And you can say, well, there's this tier that existed and we can draft from it, but you don't get to draft three or four times from it, right? You just get to draft once. And so that issue kind of comes into play for a number of teams, including ours, where you know we we understood that we were going to be under pressure after only having one run uh, one wide receiver through four rounds. I think I probably would make those changes that you made. I could see a situation where Melvin Gordon blows up, has one final hurrah. Uh, if the Broncos are as decent offensively as I think we like this quarterback combination with Russell Wilson, Ryan Tannehill, both guys potentially very efficient, both guys adding a little bit with the legs. That could be a one-two punch there that gives a lot of value. And then we see, I, I think, the the youth movement at tight end. Pat Fermer is somebody that Blair and I drafted a lot in the FFPC Classic, which is a little bit deeper format, and tight ends in that area are definitely being selected. So with Pitts and Fairmouth, we'll be able to test this idea that not only are wide receivers transitioning to the NFL faster and making an immediate impact, but we're also getting that out of the tight end position. At the seven spot, we get really our first true zero RB-ish team, which so it, it took us this distance to get to it in part because owners were willing to uh, make some adjustments and pivot from some of the things that maybe they were thinking pre-draft or just new going in, you know, how they might need to make some little tweaks. This team, I think, is a lot of fun. It's Brian's team starts out with George Kittle, DK Metcalf, DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster. I like getting both of those Steelers guys. I think at least one of them is going to have a big season, if not both. I can see a path to them not doing what they did in the playoff game every week, that's not reasonable, but for them to have that kind of season that it sort of reflects what we saw in terms of upside in the playoff game. Everyone knows we like DJ Moore. I thought he's someone who could have gone uh, really at our pick at, at least that early at the 303, again, in a wide receiver heavy room. Gets Irv Smith and gets that second tight end and has the tight end firepower, which not only gives him the upside, but also puts pressure on other teams. Gets Aaron Rodgers at a good value in round seven. Jalen Waddell, some more receiver upside. He could have a lot of value there if things break right in Miami. And then you mentioned the running backs who would be available late. Michael Carter, the likely Jet starter. Raheem Mostert, the likely 49er starter. James Conner, the, I think, likely co-starter, but the high-value touch guy in a lot of ways in Arizona. A chance he get, gets beaten out convincingly and is well behind Chase Edmonds, but we love him. Darren Darrington Evans late, Damian Williams, who we mentioned a second ago, late Brian Edwards at wide receiver, someone we had discussed taking. 
Uh, this team here and, you know, Roethlisberger in a vacuum, maybe you're thinking, okay, well, he's got more downside than he's got upside. But in the tournament format, putting Roethlisberger with Johnson and with Smith-Schuster, this team, I think, is in position to win the $100,000 if Carter and Mostert and Connor do some of the things that we think that they could do. Those guys fall into place. This team has extreme upside. Yeah, I think I, I really like what they've done there in terms of the running backs they've been able to pick up. And I think they're the guys that I would have been targeting at that point. You mentioned Evans as well, another guy we're targeting. You mentioned Damian Williams. So there's a lot of upside there. Um, obviously, there's some question marks maybe around those later wide receivers, but there's still chances for those guys to to break out. Keenan Cole uh, and Byron Pringle there. Brian Edwards is there as well. Um, but I, I think overall, Sean, through those opening rounds, I think there's a, a really strong uh bell i really really like what's been done through 11 rounds there's probably some things that could be done slightly different from that point forward but i would imagine when james connor was the selection in the 11th round he was probably targeting one of those quarterbacks who went you know in that run that you mentioned where after he picks before it comes back to him to pick ben roethlisberger six quarterbacks have gone off the board so that could have turned it around if we have you know even a matt ryan or a justin fields there over ben roethlisberger but i think when you pair them with the two wide receivers i think that gives it a little bit more upside as well so I, I really like the team that brian's put together there there's a couple of teams here as we get towards the end that i think have turned out really strong but next up is matthew's team and he has tyreek hill justin jefferson nick chubb in the third cooper cup pairs patrick mahomes with tyreek hill in the fifth and i mentioned it on the show i don't know maybe for people listening they might have thought that i meant that Patrick Mahomes being the quarterback in the fifth round, I thought it was too early. What I meant was that he's usually going in the fourth round, so I thought that was a strong value for him there to tie with Tyreek Hill. Cortland Sutton, who we talked about on the draft at the time, uh, Miles Gaskin, Robert Tonyan, Mike Gusecki, who we talked about, Zach Moss, who we like, Joe Burrow, who we like, Russell Gage, Anthony Ferkser, David Johnson at a really value pick in the 14th round uh aman ross and brown mbs who we talked about it javin hawkins who i've drafted a lot of this offseason and Kadarius tony so i think overall sean um I, the one part i might have pushed for i might have pushed for ferkser as the tight end in the 13th i think i probably would have rolled with tonya and gasecki at that point but overall there's a, a lot of things to like in this draft there are matthew also had uh, a couple of the winning comments in the chat i don't think they'll mind me mentioning these since they're uh, pretty entertaining he says this looks nothing like any other team i've drafted this year you guys have pillaged wide receiver down to the rubble i'm surprised randy moss is still out there and then uh, kevin comes back with i've got randy and my queue and then uh, later matthew mentions that uh, it was super fun the weirdest team he's compiled the whole season and so we get a feel for the challenges that happened here. It'll be interesting to see if he ends up liking Chubb at the 308. And then, but overall, I mean, anytime you start Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, I think that you're probably the favorite to win at least your individual league, if not the whole thing. Maybe some of the running backs have a little bit of a lower ceiling than other players he might have gotten. But, you know, you say that now and then things change in a real hurry once the season starts. Uh, the ninth pick went to sean's twitter which we all enjoyed it, it not only is this uh, my my twitter account but this is the team that we referenced earlier that started Diggs, lamb chase cooper chanel williams debo samuel right there i mean job done right and then you, you get kareem hunt you know we're not very high on mike davis but in the 10th round you know yeah. that's those, those are free points 
again, so it's, it's outside about, the dead zone. Yeah, so it's actually admitted outside the dead zone. Yeah, so no longer a dead zone running back in that area. What Davis has to do to return value is not very much. I mean, he's he's going to be a fantastic pick there. Also, I love this trio of quarterbacks, right? You have Herbert, Lawrence, Fitzpatrick. I like taking the value on guys who are almost purely throwers, although Herbert and Lawrence, guys who could give a little bit of value there with the legs. We've had reports out of Jaguars camp that Lawrence has not been flawless, but I mean, look, we're in the first couple of weeks for a guy in his first camp. It wouldn't be fair to expect him to look like Peyton Manning yet. We'll save that for another two weeks from now. James Robinson, another absurd running back value. The interesting choices on this roster were at tight end where he waited till the end and selected Ebron, Ertz, and Allie Cox. I know Allie Cox is the personal every year favorite sleeper of Devin McIntyre, one of the best minds in the business and a co-host of the Solis Report. Colin, we've talked about the pressure people were put under at the tight end position. What are your thoughts on some veterans like Ebron and Ertz actually being compelling sleepers. We talked a lot about Ertz moving to a different team, moving off the week 14 by suddenly that doesn't look automatic. Still possibilities out there a long time before the season starts. You could have some movement, but we thought maybe that he would have moved to a new team by now. Yeah. And obviously when it gets to this point, it becomes less and less likely. So we'll see what happens. All reports seem to be that he's like the they're shaping up to probably have him on the roster this year with the Eagles. So we'll see what, what comes about. Ebron and Ali Cox, they kind of fit kind of the same profile. You know, it's going to be a little bit boomer bust with them, but there is that that upset. I think what he's done here at that point of the draft is probably the best that he could potentially do at that point of the draft. The one area where he could have potentially went and he could have went around earlier, and I know we talked about Cook in the draft, and maybe the upside isn't there, but Cook and Blake Jarwin, I think, might have been a better option than like than the tree they've taken there and i think the problem was going to be he was they were going to have to take multiple shots late in the draft to be able to to bypass it like the other players that you know i i can't really see where they were going to pivot away um they could have took tonyan over kareem hunt but i think the hunt value there is is really really strong um looking down through the rest of the draft there wasn't a huge amount of opportunities for them to make changes from the players that they have taken could have possibly um, not gone Fitzpatrick, but again, there wasn't any real other options out of the ones that I've mentioned so far. So I think it was a situation that the, probably the place to, to change that would have been um, in that fifth round where he took Chenault and then Thomas and Dallas Goddard went after that. I think that would be the one place that you could probably pivot to tight end, but I don't know if it would have been the pick that I would have made that pivot on. Do you think there's somewhere else that maybe they could have enhanced that tight end position? Well, I think that the assumption is that Irv Smith goes a little bit later and maybe you get him coming back in round seven. That selection is Mike Williams. We've written positive things about him, and yet it doesn't sound like he is dominating Chargers camp. So maybe that is an area where if you go Smith, you've got those other guys. I wouldn't really want to give up Chenault for those. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But you take Smith in the sixth, come back, you still get Samuel in the seventh. Probably wasn't thinking that Samuel would still be on the board or maybe would have made a different selection there. At the rest of the junctures, it's very easy to see why tight end was not the pick. And again, we talk about the pressure to get the tight ends. Our next t- team out of the 10 slot, this may be the most 
Rotoviz OT brand. Oh, this is the this is the winner. Yeah, I think well, this is the winner. <laughs> we have number one, no running backs through eight rounds, which we love and works fantastic in this draft. But also Noah Fant, Logan Thomas in rounds four and five. That's early, but we recommend reaching for these guys. So it, it makes sense that these guys would go early in a draft we were doing together as this group here. So this team, Ridley, AJ Brown, you know, that's a dream start. You have Ayuk. He is perhaps the next big superstar at wide receiver. And so if the 49ers have enough total receiving volume in 2021, Ayuk may be the guy that next year we're looking at as a first round pick. We'll see if the volume is there. Then Fant, Thomas, Tyler Boyd, Jarvis Landry, Nicole Hardman. Hardman. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good sign or a bad sign when a team is saying that someone is finally prepared to practice. Right, that doesn't necessarily seem like something that should take the third year to do. If if those are the raves that you're generating, you know there there might be some raised eyebrows. Uh, He's but, able to tie his shoelaces as well. Right. So you know, but as a, a Chiefs super fan, I am trying to look at the positive on this and say, okay, Hardman breaks out this season. The Chiefs set records for scoring, for passing. They go sixteen and zero. They walk through the playoffs, and all is right with the world. So we're going to take the positive on Hardman there. But then. The running back selections, A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard. Again, people we want in every draft. Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield at QB. This could be the one area of this draft that the pressure that developed in that big QB run may have created a dynamic where that team wishes they had, you know, just not Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield. But but those guys are fine, right? I mean, you have a strong enough team. You can definitely win with them. Jamal Williams, Marquez Callaway, he has some good notes in the chat about how well Callaway is performing in camp. And then Hubbard, Lindsey, Gallman, Dalton Schultz. I like all of those guys, at least around ahead of where they went. And so this team, the perfect RV branded team, um, we're not necessarily Cousins fans, so maybe that part of it. But is this the ultimate OT team column. No, oh, I think this, as the draft has progressed and I was looking at this and I was, I could really imagine myself uh, drafting through this one. You mentioned the, um, you know, the reach, like, you know, you're taking these, I don't think they're reaches and you, I'm sure you don't think they're reaches either. They're going ahead of ADP, but based on how the draft was going and based on the wide receiver positions and, and the tight end positions, that's exactly how we would expect it. But, you know, you mentioned Ayuk. The guys that have re- I've really been pushing on this offseason to draft is Ayuk, Higgins, and Chenault, and they've all, unfortunately, then with those kind of things, they've they've all risen, you know, two to three rounds in their their drafts. But uh, getting Ayuk there, it's a really strong start. Getting the the two tight ends then, and Fant and Thomas, two guys we really like, and then Tyler Boyd, who I would say for the podcast, Sean has probably been the the poster player for uh, the OT podcast over the years. Um, then Landry and then Hardman so I think even if Hardman doesn't work out I think he's really set at the wide receivers and then the the running backs he's got there and and AJ Dillon Tony Pollard Jamal Williams and I think Jamal Williams is going to get a lot more work and opportunities this year than uh, has been has been talked about at the, the current moment and then Hubbard and Lindsay and Gallman as well who you, you mentioned all of those guys when we were on the in the draft and then wrapping it up with Schultz as well I think tidies up uh, that tight end court i might i might have passed on the the last tight end but for you know when you were listening we were drafting i was very tempted in those later rounds to try and fill out the tight end position 
the one thing sean i would have done here and i know you say that in general the stacking option in normal best ball leagues isn't something that really gives you that much of an edge but i think in this where you know you have the opportunity to pair them with your quarterback and having ridley in the first round i do think that matt ryan would have been the the pick there ahead of kurt cousins because ryan goes one pick after um i think that would make me a lot more in on this roster but i think so far this is the favorite roster that i've i've seen in this draft and that that was drafted by danger cats so i don't know what the, the first name is but danger cats was uh not afraid of passing at the rb position um so then we have daniel up next and daniel did go with a, a heavy running back start derrick henry ezekiel elliott joe mixon chris godwin dallas goddard Devonte smith branton cooks jalen hurts uh curtis samuel jacob harris matt ryan hunter henry Derek carr john brown latavius murray hayden hurst josh palmer and terrell williams um this is uh, a team obviously that's paired hurts and smith the, the it doesn't it still doesn't feel like the eagles are 100 in on hurts it's a bit of a, a strange situation there um how, how do you feel with that kind of stuff keep rumbling on with that eagles roster i guess and then how do you feel about about this roster overall i know that henry and elliot aren't players that we're tending to draft but he did mention in the chat that it's probably and i mentioned this during the draft it's like there's probably a very limited amount of henry uh, elliot joe mixon starts to two drafts in this format yeah and, and he mentioned mixon maybe it was a a pick he should have gone in a different direction we do like godwin who is still there alan robinson was available and even though we're not in on robinson i mean that's an established veteran elite player maybe not a star but an elite player uh amari cooper still available deontay johnson some of those kinds of guys i think it's kind of fun right in in this draft to start with mixon and to have that three running back start he only takes four total running backs which i think is a way to play this that makes a lot of sense and I mean, you could argue that there's a possibility no other team in the entire tournament will have as many running back touches in the first three rounds as this roster right here. You build from this and do some sort of crazy creative things and you have a path to victory. And so you have Godwin, you had Devontae Smith, Brandon Cooks, you know, it may not add up to quite what it seems like, but Brandon Cooks could be the ultimate winner in the NFL this season in terms of target share even though that's not really his brand or him's MO. You have Curtis Samuel. Samuel may be kind of the flip side of Adam Humphreys, whom we mentioned earlier, in terms of how well he's doing in camp, but obviously coming off of a good season. You've got some dynamic tight ends. You have three quarterbacks who could all score well. This is a balanced team with some interesting wide receivers. I'm excited to see how it does play out. And then in the 12th position, we have that Taylor Barkley start, that we love if you're going to start with running backs at the beginning of these drafts then i can't imagine more of a dream scenario than being able to start taylor barkley kevin does that he comes back with alan robinson he comes back with mark andrews and so uh, in terms of tight end value i think this is one of the better values in the draft and it takes away the pressure to go tight end later the interesting picks there and might come in in chris carson and javante williams we're huge fans of williams I don't know if both of these guys are necessary. Chris Carson, someone who has popped in the range of outcomes tool in the past, someone we pushed people to draft when he was undervalued. When he's here at running back 20, what are your thoughts on Carson knowing the Seahawks are back to their 
sort of absurd rhetoric of saying we're going to run the ball on every play. Does that work to Carson's advantage or would it be better to have him in a situation where they're going scorched earth and Carson has a chance for more touchdowns? He has a chance for, I mean, you have these running back touches, which to an extent get uh, counterbalanced by having them in lower value situations and then with more punts your team doesn't dominate the ball as much and you don't have as many of those goal line touches as a result should we be looking at the seahawks backs as ones to target in 2021 well the one i'm targeting we targeted him here again is penny and we've been down that road before and it hasn't really worked out for us in most occasions so far but um the reports there have been been pretty okay so far this uh, offseason Carson I think is the guy who's going to have the stranglehold on that role I think he's going to have a real um I would say he's going to probably have a you know 60 percent of the the overall carries but as you mentioned those carries if they're not going to be close to the the 20 yard line of the offensive side of the ball if they're going to be kind of going out from their own 20 aren't going to be that valuable so I have concerns there I, and again I've, I look at this might I might just save this clip and keep just clicking a button so I can play it. But there's other players going in that range that I tend to not draft him at that point of where he's going in drafts currently. But I think this started off really well. I think Taylor and Barkley, if we hadn't a situation where Wentz is injured and we hadn't a situation where we had the report so far about Barkley, I could make a case that those two guys should be you know, top four, top five picks in this draft. And you're getting the two of them together at the back end of the first round, which I think is a phenomenal start. I think, I like the first four picks and how things have gone there. I I think that where it starts to get concerned is those two picks. I think if we had Tyler Boyd in there and uh, maybe Cortland Sutton, I know the injury concerns are there, maybe even Devontae Smith, who were both options in those two picks, I think it starts to turn this team into a, a much better overall proposition. I think then when we look at the tight ends, like both of them, Andrews and Komet, I think where we could probably and and the big down the big markdown Sean for this roster is that they drafted KJ Hamler away from us. So I think that we have to strongly criticize it for that purpose. But um, I think where you know Kirk was off the board and I like the upside of Dynami Brown, but I think those two picks are where I would be using those picks to get running backs and you know that's where Hubbard has gone off the board JD McKissick we took Leonard Fournette after those two guys are off the board Rashad Penny goes after that I know obviously he had took Carson maybe feel stronger about Carson than Penny but if you don't take Carson there then you have a shot at Penny Madison went off the board James White so I think if we switch out the picks for Dynami Brown and Christian Kirk and take the running backs there and then flip those two picks to be wide receivers in the sixth seventh round um, I think I think I would much prefer this team. Yeah, so we found out in rounds 13 and 14 why Kevin felt so comfortable going running back heavy. It's because he was going to take Hamler and Brown, and that was going to fix everything. And <laughs> so we, we joke with him there. Obviously, those are a couple of our favorites. Uh, Hamler was the player I wanted to draft in round 14. So we, we joke all the time about him being our 18th round pick in every draft. Uh, based on how things had played out here, you know, he, he was our next pick. And so... We were not happy, as you said. We, we do have to give a demerit for taking our guy there. A lot of cool picks on this team. Uh, great job at tight end. The quarterback's a little bit interesting in terms of this being the Justin Fields, Jerry Goff, Taysom Hill team. Fields and Hill sort of contingent picks there. You end up using three picks maybe on just two guys. If it plays out that way, then there's a lot of upside because I think that Hill could score 
a ton of points, right? And then Fields, once he's starting, is going to be an absolute fantasy goldmine. So we'll kind of track how those quarterbacks play. One of the things that we found is that participants in this draft did wait at QB. We had Murray in the middle of six, Allen toward the end of six, Jackson and Prescott at the beginning of seven. And that, again, carried down to round 11 when we had the big run. It was tricky. I like to really press and wait in a lot of situations and see what does transpire. A few of these teams, I think, may have got caught a little bit because of that run. And then you're forced to adjust. Colin, before we leave, we've got to critique our own roster. Obviously, we were put under pressure by the wide receivers that were gone by our pick at 210. And, you know, if I go purely off of my board, T. Higgins is probably somebody that I'm drafting in this area here. But I'm not necessarily looking to contribute to his ADP rising. We have had questions about, you know, what is you know, what should we do with the fact that Joe Burrow is not comfortable with his knee? How long is that going to take? That's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, well, that, that's going to work its way out, but, but when, right? You look at some of these Bengals players with the three receivers there, they're helped out by the fact, just like the Panthers were last year, that there's not a tight end in there who's likely to take a lot of volume. Now, is it possible that a tight end emerges and takes some volume? Yes, it's definitely possible, but you're counting on those receivers in part because Outside of those three receivers, you're not expecting to get a lot of targets going. I don't think they're going to throw to the running back a ton because it doesn't make sense when you've got those wide receivers, right? But I guess I'm waiting on wide receiver a little bit and at least not contributing to the rise of these guys with that being the case out there. And then I was a little disappointed. I, I was thinking that maybe this would be a DeAndre Swift team instead of an Edwards Alaire team, but he goes at the 302. We select Edwards Alaire at the 303. That puts us in a position where now we have to decide all the way through the rest of the draft what we're going to do at wide receiver. Column, you selected or you, you mentioned we both selected Julio Jones there at the 410. Uh, one of the things that you have to deal with when two people are drafting and when you're doing a show is that maybe you get down to the end of the timer and don't have a chance to go over some of the things. I was pretty disappointed that Mike Evans went one pick before us we've talked about michael hitchcock's articles the one looking at the three elite veterans that you can put with the top running backs the other one looking at the three young guys the one that focused on the veterans talked about evans talked about julio jones we've seen already this injury with michael thomas kind of wipe him out julio jones sitting out of camp someone who has a lot of leg trouble Maybe the most freakish athlete in the NFL when he's healthy, but he's old. He wasn't that great last year in terms of staying healthy. The Falcons, you know, they they were put in the situation where Julio wanted to leave and they kind of boxed themselves into a corner. At the same time, if they're looking at Julio Jones and think that he's still one of the top three or four wide receivers in the NFL, don't you think they would have kept him? I think that there's a lot of questions around what happened there. I think it seemed to be, I know we have the Aaron Rodgers situation, but I didn't think Rodgers had much leverage based on the contract situation. I think with the cap hit that Julio would have had and with how things were going along, I would imagine there'll be more that will come out. Obviously Julio went on, not, I don't think he went on. It was like kind of, he was caught out, but he went on TV and said that he wanted to be out of town and things like that. I think it became a very, almost untenable situation so i know they could have kept him but 
I don't think that's what's concerning me. I think it's the history of the lower leg injuries over the last two seasons. I think when he was playing last year, looked pretty good, but when he was playing, he also looked pretty injured. So I thought at this point of the draft, based on how things had gone, you mentioned Evans. I think we would have won Evans. I would be very close on Evans versus Jones. Um, I know Evans is obviously younger, but I think in terms of like who I would be targeting at that point, I think it's pretty close. The player that I was also very tempted by was Judy, but I, I felt that that was going to be a good bit earlier than like my hope was that Judy might have got around to us in the fifth round again. I didn't think Jones would get around. And then obviously Judy went uh, and we ended up taking Dobbin. So there's definitely concerns around Jones, but I think there's also a lot of upside there. And I know like, you know, we love AJ Brown, but AJ Brown has also had a, a lot of injuries as well. If AJ Brown's out for any period of time, Jones becomes a real, real value at that point in the draft. So there is question marks around his health, but there's also question marks around AJ Brown's. And I think there's uh, there's enough upside there to based on having the the two running backs in those first three picks. Um, then we did go to J.K. Dobbins. That did feel like the pick there. Like that that felt like that was definitely the pick we were going to take. Um, then we went Josh Allen, which I thought was a good value in the sixth round. DJ Chark then, because we had talked about possibly getting Lamar Jackson to go with Allen, but he went. Then we had uh, Chark, then Ruggs, then Trey Sermon. Johnny Smith as our second tight end. Tom Brady as our second quarterback. Traquan Smith, obviously with the the uh, news around Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders to pair with Josh Allen, Paris Campbell, who potentially could have been uh, T.Y. Hilton, but we timed out on that one. Uh, and then Leonard Fournette, Rashad Penny, just seemed to be too much to pass up. Then we had Darius Slayton and took a took a shot then on on Ankeel Harry. So, Sean, looking back on it, um, outside of the Julio Jones pick that I selected apparently uh, on my <laughs> own, <laughs> what, 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 what picks would you change? Yeah, so we had a number of listeners mention that this was the most challenging and stressful draft that they had done. I would echo that. It was challenging and stressful. I it was, was just because you were drafting with me. <laughs> we we had some disagreements which are hard to work out in a 60-second clock. Uh, yeah. we, Josh Allen, I like what happened there because then it did give us the flexibility just to go with the two QBs. And we saw as we worked through some of the other teams and what they had to deal with, the quarterback was a problem for some rosters. It wasn't a problem for us at the same time when you're as weak at wide receiver as we are to make the decision to go with a QB there and not take a Will Fuller or not take a DJ Chark at that pick and then take Debo coming back around. You know, both Chark and Debo were available in the seventh round when we selected Chark. You know, that's that's a tough choice because then you come back into round 10 and the other one that we had some debate on and that we weren't that comfortable with the direction we wanted to go was tight end. So we take Johnny there. Uh, you want a Cole Komet. I also want a Cole Komet for the team, but didn't want him at that price. We selected Brady when it came back around instead of taking Komet. Komet in this room was probably not going to fall to us at the 1210. So that's the other pick that I think we look at. And, you know, you ask what if, but the what if is that we would have to draft a different tight end that we weren't that happy with. That, that's just kind of the, situation with tight end in 2021 you know we're lucky enough to have darren waller because we were gifted the the third overall pick so we don't have to worry about it as much i think anybody that you draft at tight end 
in that round or the next couple of rounds, you're going to look back and be like, well, there were players I wanted to take more, but you know, at some point you have to take a tight end or then you're looking at it at the, in the final outcome and thinking, well, we blew it at tight end. So I don't think that we blew it. I just, you know, wish that John o. Smith in round 10 wasn't the way that we had to go. You mentioned the other point where we got into real trouble. Uh, and this is kind of my fault for um, not starting the conversation earlier or not pushing at the point that made sense because again, we got down in the discussion and we were just on a different page. I thought we were going to take Fournette at the 14-10 and then make a choice at the wide receiver at 15-03. We did see that Hilton went by that selection, so he would have come back around. Um, we got hung up there, right? But the fact that we had the guys in the queue, you know, more or less the way we wanted them, and we took a player we were discussing, I don't think that that's a huge problem. You know, maybe there's a different way that we could have gone, but when I look at that Colts wide receiver core i guess i still have questions about michael pittman now doesn't mean that michael pittman won't hit he's a big bodied guy he's more of the alpha guy than there too with hilton you have a little bit of a vertical presence which you know how well does that play on a team where even the starting quarterback is not a great thrower right and so maybe the the vertical receiver doesn't get the volume doesn't get the efficiency with that volume like really either part of the equation that you want and then obviously with hilton you have the age specter there the difference in cost between Pittman and these other two guys make them interesting to me from the perspective of we don't know how it's going to play out of course with Paris Campbell when you're taking someone who hasn't really done anything and is always injured in a bad offense you know you look back at it and you're thinking okay well you know the the four receivers selected immediately ahead of him were AJ Green Marquez Calloway John Brown and Deami Brown I'm not necessarily criticizing those selections, but I think it puts in context kind of where we are at the wide receiver position where, you know, you're, you're making the best of a bad situation. One of the things that you see in these drafts now is that if you're going to have balance between wide receiver and running back, then rounds 14 through 18, they're difficult. Okay. And so again, that's the problem. If you take the three running backs in the first five rounds, like we did running back is easy. We took Fournette. We don't believe in Fournette, but you look at the scenarios and the way those could play out. You know, if you get playoff Lenny for even a portion of the season, then your flex issues are going to be non-existent. You look at Rashad Penny. If something happens to Chris Carson, they've mentioned that some of these other guys behind Penny have looked pretty good in the passing game. Maybe he won't be the third down back. When I'm looking at Penny, I'm not necessarily looking at that anyway. I'm thinking that, you know, he's going to be someone who he either emerges at ground, maybe... 10% 10% less than that, or they've got a guy they just really don't want at all, right? These backups, these depth players um, just really take the whole thing. So it, it's a win-lose kind of pick as opposed to a standalone pick for me there. And then Slayton, Harry, a couple of guys that we debated. When you look at the value in these final rounds, I think it comes down to like, who are your guys? Because basically your, your expectations are that these players are not going to score points. And we look at someone in a Slayton who can be a vertical player. You look at someone with Harry who, you know, is getting to be a little bit of a puff piece guy there with the Patriots. I like Mac Jones. I think he could be the guy that opens it up for Harry a little bit. Even if we get something that is still a huge bust for a first round pick like Harry, but if you get 505, if that, if those numbers hit in the right way, he could be a useful piece to us in round 18. 
Yeah, and I think overall it's a quite an interesting team. You mentioned some of the possible changes. I think if we take Al out, we could take Will Fuller at that point in round six, and then you know we could take you know somebody in that kind of round nine through ten range instead, and then still get Brady. But I think you're looking then at Herbert or Stafford, um, and we did mention Herbert during the draft. Um, I think you could probably take Herbert over Trey Sermon at that point, um, and maybe that changes things, or we could have potentially took. Mike Gusecki over Sherman would be another one that I probably would have looked to potentially do there instead of the Jonah Smith pick um, might be another way because if we had taken Mike Gusecki over Sherman we could have took Gabriel Davis over Jonah Smith might have been a slightly more interesting uh, way to do it but overall Sean I think I'm, I'm pretty happy it's quite a unique lineup I think we didn't really touch on our first three picks but you know, to have Eckler, Edwards Lair and Waller there, I think gives us a, a very unique build to start things off. So let's hope it's it's good enough. But the key is let's hope somebody from this league goes ahead and, and brings it all down. It'll be fun to track it through the season. It'll be certainly fun to track it through those playoff weeks to see how it all goes as well. But there's been a lot of fun. Thanks to all the listeners who have taken part in the listener leagues over the last couple of weeks. Thanks to the 11 other people who took part in this draft a lot of fun really challenged our thought process while we were on the board hopefully you've enjoyed listening to the four-part series we put together here with the draft my name as always is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host is sean siegel check out sean's work up on rotoviz.com if you're interested in getting yourself a 10 percent discount to a rotoviz nfl pass all you have to do on rotoviz.com is add that code rb radio 2021 at checkout save yourself 10 percent or go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast that's going to do it for today's edition of the show thank you very much for tuning in until we're back with another one have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotaviz radio please rate and review the rotaviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotaviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotaviz with a discount through the rotaviz radio homepage rotaviz.com forward slash podcast